And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. I can see you right now in the kitchen, bending over a hot stove, but I can't see the stove. Who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men? The shadow knows. <laughs> Would you mind telling me whose brain I did put in? And you won't be angry. I will not be angry. Abby someone. Abby someone. Abby who? Abby normal. What do you do, Carl? Carl is a inventor slash entrepreneur. Yeah, I'm still looking for that home run, you know? I mean, when I saw the iPod first time, I was like, yeah, I'm going to kick myself. That was so hard on him. What's your name? Carl, my name. Atomic batteries to power. Turbines to speed. Roger. Ready to move out. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This hour on Hollywood 360, I'll present the conclusion to My Favorite Husband, starring Lucille Ball from 1948. Then John Daner stars as a soldier of fortune named Paladin on Have Gun, Will Travel from 1959. And with me, as always, my co-host, Lisa Wolf. What's up, Lisa? As always, here I am. Where else would I rather be? I don't know. No, nowhere. Nowhere but nowhere here. Nowhere but here. What's happening in Hollywood? ABC. Yeah, and the, Academy the American of, Broadcasting Company. Yes, I'm familiar with that. And the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences has announced the expansion of their agreement to broadcast the Oscars through 2028. Right. Now, the original contract was through 2020, so this was adding eight years onto it. Right. And 2028 will mark the Oscars' 100th anniversary. Oh, really? And this year's Oscars... 1928 89- it started, huh? That, so I did that math? Yeah, that was quick. Pretty the 89th Academy Awards uh, will uh, televise live on February 26th at the Dolby Theater in Hollywood. Do right. you remember who did last year's uh, Oscar telecast? Um, I'll give you a clue. It hit an eight-year low last really? year. Did not go over well. Um, I don't know. Chris Rock. Okay. So I'm guessing he won't be asked again, although Probably we don't not. know for sure. I'm available. So am I. So yeah. I just thought I'd throw it out there. Mike, are you available too? I can be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, so we're all available. Okay. Okay. All right. Thanks, Lisa. Thanks, Carl. Time now for the conclusion to My Favorite Husband. We started this last time. Here's Lucille Ball from October 9th, 1948. Oh, where'd I leave the car? Pardon me, but did you just come out of that house? Yes, I did. Is the dressmaker finished yet? There's no dressmaker in there. But I brought him here in my cab, Mr. La Jolla, the costumer. Oh, costumer? I thought he was a doctor. Oh, no. He's fitting all the costumes for the Young Matron's League play tonight. Oh, now I get it. She's going to be in the play. So she thinks she's going to put something over on me. Ha! My wife thought she was putting something over on me, too. Every Monday night she was having a romantic rendezvous with some guy at the laundromat. But I fixed him good and plenty. (laughs) What did you do? I bought her a Bendix. Hey, that that was pretty smart. Yes. Now I don't know where she goes on Monday nights. You know, this isn't Liz's fault as much as it is that Mrs. Worthingill. It isn't? No, and I'm going to go down and give her a piece of my mind. (laughs) 
you got? Guess who's in the living room? George with a doctor? No. George with a revolver? No. I'll give you a hint. He's got blonde hair, he wears a bow tie, and when I walk by him, <laughs> he chubbied my cheek. Laurie <laughs> Cartwright, and is he slipping? I'll go in and see him. Hi, Corey. Hello, Liz, dear. I came over to see if you could give me some advice. In trouble again, Corey. It should be so simple for you to stay out of trouble with women. How? Just wear blinders and handcuffs. <laughs> I tried that. I couldn't seem to keep my feet off the girls. <laughs> what is it this time? I uh, became engaged last night. You, Corey Cartwright, engaged? Yes, to two of the nicest girls. Two? How'd you happen to do a thing like that? Oh, I couldn't help it. It was a moonlight night, the music was playing, and before I knew what I was doing, I said yes to both of them. You mean, you mean they proposed to you? Yes, doesn't everybody? I hate to break this to you, Corey, but George proposed to me. Oh, to you, that's different. So would I. <laughs> but what am I going to do, Liz? It's, it's exhausting, a woman on either side of me pulling and tugging, yanking and tearing. You sound like the last pair of bloomers at a bargain sale. <laughs> What's your advice, Miss Fairfax? Dear Double Trouble, my advice is to get engaged to a third girl, a real ugly one. Then the other two will be so insulted they'll break off the engagement. Liz, that's a great idea. Write in next week and ask me how to get rid of the ugly one. <laughs> Corey, I'm glad you're here. I have a problem of my own. George found out about the play? No, no, but I had to pretend I was sick to get him out of the house while I was getting my costume fitted, and now he's going to get Dr. Michelle. Well, a good checkup won't hurt you. Corey, will you find George and head him off? Tell him I'm feeling all right again. All right. Uh, tell me about your costume, Liz. Is it real scanty with very little there and practically nothing here? My costume has 15 petticoats and knee-length pantaloons. Oh. I'm saving you a seat in the front row. What for? See you later, Liz. Beatrice? Yes, Miss Worthingill? Oh, the most dreadful thing has happened. Rodney Rogers just called and says he can't be in the play. Laryngitis. But that wasn't a very large part. He only had one scene in the first act. Oh, yes, but it was so important. Oh, where can we find another man? Oh, there you are. I want to tell you a thing or two. My wife is not going to be in this play tonight, and I told you that. Stop! Life... Stop! Don't stand there in the door. Come in, Mr. Barrymore. Barrymore? <laughs> My name isn't Barrymore. Oh, of course. How silly of me. I was carried away. That... Profile that noble carriage, that resonant voice. Uh, really? <laughs> Don't move. Let me drink this in. That wavy blonde hair, those white teeth, those flaring nostrils. Oh, you're gorgeous. <laughs> uh, now, please. Oh, absolutely gorgeous. What did you say your name was? Uh, Cougat. George Cougat. Of course. Gorgeous George. <laughs> oh, Mr. Cougat, you saved my life. One of my actors has laryngitis. I was utterly devastated. And then you walked in the door. You will play the part. Oh, this, this is ridiculous. I haven't been in a play since I was in college. Oh, 
you won't have many lines. Just one scene in which you, as Sir Edward, make passionate love to beautiful Lady Alice. Oh, really? That, that sounds like fun. Yes. You kiss Lady Alice and hold her in your arms. You know, this may be a great idea. <laughs> oh, I'd like to see my wife's face when I play those love scenes. <laughs> you will. She's Lady Alice. Oh, this is wonderful. I'll take the part, Miss Worthingill, on one condition. That my wife mustn't know anything about it until she meets me on the stage. Agreed. Uh, now you must rush to see Mr. La Jolla and get fitted for your costume. <laughs> you know why I'm glad you took the part, Mr. Cougat. Because of your cute dimples, you have one on each cheek. Yes, and I, I have two more on my knees. It's a match set. George? Oh, George? Where have you been, George? I looked everywhere for you. I wanted to tell you, Liz is feeling better. Skip it. I found out about the play. You did? Yes, and I'm going to get even with it. Listen, she doesn't know it, but I'm going to play a part in the play. You? Yeah. Who are you trying to get even with, Liz or the audience? Very funny. Say, here's the costumer shop. Come on in with me, Okay. Will you? Good afternoon, gentlemen. Oh, Mr. Kogat, Miss Vordingill called me about you being in the play. Here is your costume. This? This is the underwear. Now, where's the costume? This is the costume, a pair of tights. Tights? They're just long underwear without the escape hatch in the back. That's pretty corny even from you. I can't wear these. George is allergic to tights. He was doing a quick change on the stage in college once, and when he called for his tights, they thought he said lights. Oh, it was shameful. Or are you worried about your figure, George? There's nothing wrong with my figure. Well, here, please, try them on. They may be the slightest bit small. Small? Oh, don't be silly. Well, I'll just slip into them. There, they fit perfectly. Yes, but wait till you get them up past your knees. <laughs> oh, oh, these are pretty snug. Well, I have a 32 waist. Uh, what size are these? 40, medium stout. <laughs> I don't believe it. Please, the costumer is always right. <laughs> Ridiculous. I, ha I have the same figure I had in college. You forgot your stomach, George. What stomach? <laughs> you look like a mantle on Christmas morning. Two lumpy stockings with a basketball on top. <laughs> no way. Here, Mr. Kugat, the tights will fit you fine if you wear one of these to hold in your stomach. Oh, I won't wear one of those things. You don't even know what it is. I do, too. My wife has one, but uh, hers had a lot of... Suspenders hanging from it. But I don't have any bigger tights. Uh, would you like to wear a suit of armor? Now you're talking. Where is it? Well, it's not all here. My son has the legs on his car. On his car? Uh, he wanted to have the fanciest twin pipes in town. <laughs> I tell you what, if I can get the legs back, I'll bring the armor to the play tonight. Meanwhile, you'd better take along the tights. Yes, I wrapped them up for you. Well, all right, but but you get the armor. Well, I'll try. Oh, here, you forgot the girdle. I'll just stuff it into your pocket. Oh, that was a delicious dinner. 
I'll tell Katie you liked it. Well, have you any plans for tonight? Plans? Mm-hmm. No. No, I don't have any plans. Oh, I thought uh, maybe you'd like to go to that play the Young Matrons League is giving. <laughs> oh, whatever made you think that? Oh, I just thought you might. <laughs> the fellows were talking about it today. They say the leading lady is a terrible spook. Well, they did, did they? Well, what are you getting so excited about? It's nothing to you, is it? Well, it's just the principle of the thing. Who, uh, who'd they say the leading lady was? Oh, I don't know. Some dumpy little housewife trying to recapture her youth. (laughs) 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 Well, uh, how about a movie tonight? The paper's in my coat pocket. I'll get it. No, dear, let me get it. You just sit still. Hmm, she's gone. I'd better duck out for the theater while I have a chance. Here's your coat, George. Where's the... George? George! Did you call Mrs. Cougat? I was looking for George. Where'd he go? I heard someone go out the front door. That's funny. Well, now's my chance to get to the theater. Here, Katie, put this coat back, will you? Wait a minute, wait a minute. What's this he's got stuffed in his pocket? Well! What's the matter, Mrs. Cougat? George seems to be buying a new paper, the Evening Girdle. (laughs) My goodness, look at the size of that thing. Yes. Apparently, the Evening Girdle has a very large Sunday supplement. (laughs) What am I laughing at? My goodness, look at the size of that thing. What's it doing in his pocket? No wonder he ducked out of the door. He knew I'd find this. Well, I'm going to wait right here till he comes back and demand an explanation. But you have to get to the theater. Well, you tell him not to go to bed because when I come home, we're going to have this out. I put up with a lot, but this is the end. Oh, now I'm all upset. Katie, is my nose shiny? Katie, my nose. My goodness, look at the size of that thing. (laughs) Katie! Going up in five minutes. Five minutes. Going up in five minutes. Mr. Lohai, I'm certainly glad you got here in time with this armor. How do I look in it? Your eyes are beautiful. My eyes? That's all I can see. <laughs> Put down the visor and let's see how it is. Oh, boy, sure is hot in here. Better with the visor up. Oh, here comes your wife. Uh oh, she mustn't see me. Oh, Rodney, you're wearing armor instead of tights. How nice. Yes, I thought it looked sportier. You better open your visor on the stage. I can't hear a word you're saying. A chronophage and a parallel coming over the call to draw. Oh, well, that's much better. <laughs> we better tell them the play's in English. Ooh, Mrs. Cougar. Yes, Miss Worthingale. Ooh, I'm so excited. It's time for the curtain to go up. Now, let me get settled down here in front in the prompter's box. Um, There. (laughs) This is everybody. Lady Alice, are you seated in the garden? Yes, Miss Worthingill. Sir Edward, are you waiting in the wings for your entrance? Yes, Miss Worthingill. Good. Ring up the curtain. All right, all right. First line. Hark, do I hear a footfall. Hark, do I hear a footfall. Methinks I hear the cat-like tread of my lover, Sir Edward. (laughs) 
Sir Edward needeth a grease job. This is Kugat. Sir Edward, turn thy face from out the shadows. Lift thy visor and let me look upon the face of my beloved. When I look upon thy face, there is only one word that comes to my lips. George! (laughs) Sir Edward, lift thy visor. Hi, Lady Alice. George Cougar, what was that girdle doing in your pocket? What girdle? You know very well what girdle. Please, please, please. You are Lady Alice. Oh. Prithee, tell me, what news bringest thou from the king, you wormeth? <laughs> His majesty looketh with favor on our betrothal. I don't know what the heck is you are talking thing about. Not mucheth. I mean, please. This is your responsibility. Please, please. Read the lights of the play. Hark, hark, I hear approaching men. George Cougat, I will not go on with this play until you answer me. Hark, hark. Liz, are you out of your mind? Hark, hark. All right, now that's enough stalling. Let's have the truth. Hark, hark. Will someone throw that dame a fish? Don't you dare light that cigarette. They weren't invented yet. I don't understand this, Liz, but if you insist on making a public fight out of it, the least you can do is give me a cigarette. All right, here. Well, give it to me. I did. I stuck it in your visor. You did not. I did, too. I can see the smoke curling out of the top of your helmet. You can. Help! Help! I'm on fire! Oh, my play! My Help! This armor's filling up with smoke! Here's a bottle of seltzer! Here, you armor smoke ham. Oh, Liz! How are you coming, Liz? Fine. This is one time I'll bet you're glad I've had so much experience with a can opener. Hmm. Fine armor. It rusted into a one-piece suit. George... Before I finish cutting you out of this sardine can, I want to ask you one thing. Hmm. Well, what is it? Are you sure you got that girdle from Mr. La Jolla? Uh, what happens if I say no? You'll be going away for the winter. Where? The Smithsonian Institute. Liz, you're mean. Say, suppose I couldn't get you out of this armor. Oh, that would be awful. Yes, I'd have to kiss you through a straw. And that's My Favorite Husband, October 9th, 1948, with Young Matrons League Play starring Lucille Ball along with Richard Danning. And in the cast, Gail Gordon, Mary Ship, and Herb Vigrant, sponsored by J-E-L-L-O, is heard on CBS. Hope you enjoyed My Favorite Husband. Let's take a break. Then it's Have Gun, Will Travel. Stick around. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. 
Welcome back. It's time for Have Gun, Will Travel. Let's go back to March 15, 1959 for Death of a Young Gunfighter, starring John Daner. You don't have much choice left, mister. You can throw your gun away and they'll hang you. Or you can keep it and try to use it on me. Either way, you're going to die. Have Gun, Will Travel. Starring Mr. John Daner as Paladin. San Francisco, 1875. The Carlton Hotel. Headquarters of the man called Paladin. You're drinking, Mr. Paladin. Hmm? Oh, hey, boy, bring you brandy. Hmm? Oh, uh, thanks. Uh, set it down. Yes, sir. Hmm. Well, do you want me to read it to you? Oh, I beg your pardon. I should think so. Reading over a guest's shoulder is hardly the proper behavior for an oriental gentleman. You go? Go where? Well, uh, newspapers say. Uh, blood feud rages in New Mexico. 38 men already die. Job for you, Mr. Paladin? Maybe so, hey boy. Let's see. Violence flared again in Ren Seabri feud when Juan Carlos Morita killed James Seabri in a gunfight. Morita, a notorious killer, and hired his gun to the Ren faction. Mr. Paladin make money. One side high Morita's gun, other side high Misa Paladin's gun. Uh, hey, boy, you sold me. Guess you better send a wire. Yes, sir, Misa Paladin. Right now. That's the first portion of Have Gun, Will Travel. We'll be back after these words. Are you a fan of classic radio? Shows like Abbott and Costello. What's the guy's name on first base? No, what is on second base? I'm not asking you who's on second. Who's on first? One base at a time. Well, don't change the... Gunsmoke. I'm that man. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Inner Sanctum. This is your host to welcome you in through the squeaking door. Fibber McGee and Molly. What day is this? Oh, no, let me see. This, dearie, is our 15th wedding anniversary. And many more. As a thank you for listening to this show, we want to give you 10 of the best classic radio shows of all time absolutely free. Just log on to Hollywood360radio.com to get them today. You'll receive complete episodes of Sam Spade, Escape, Fibber McGee and Molly, Suspense, Abbott and Costello, Inner Sanctum, X-1, Gunsmoke, Our Miss Brooks, and Lights Out. Just log on to Hollywood360radio.com. And receive your 10 free classic radio shows today. That's Hollywood360radio.com. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Before we get back to Have Gun, Will Travel, Lisa, I want to remind all of our listeners that our sponsor gives away a very, very nice present every single month here on Hollywood 360. 
Our listeners can win a year's supply of Cat's Pride Kitty Litter. Tell them all about it. Yes, our listeners can win a year's supply of Cat's Pride Kitty Litter if they send a picture of their cat, and they can be in it if they'd like to, to Cat's Pride Photo at gmail.com. Make sure to put your name, your cat's name, your city and state. And at the end of the month, the CEO of Cat's Pride will come in and pick one lucky winner. And it could be you. So right. we hope that you will enter the contest. Yeah, and it's at random. We just take all of the pictures, put them in a hat. And Dan Jaffe, the CEO of Cat's Pride, just just selects one at random. So that could be you. Send a picture of you and your kitty cat along with your name, and address and city and state, email it to catspridephoto at gmail.com. I just said that. Yeah, well. Okay. I wanted to you say said it, it better. I wanted to say it again. I, I didn't say it better. I just wanted to you reiterate said it. Longer. It. I wanted to reiterate it. Excellent. You know, it's radio. You have to hear things several times. Mm, you know? I don't know about that. Well, it's radio. You have to hear things several times. <laughs> <laughs> well, most people are listening to Lisa, so Carl says it, and then people will hear it when Lisa says it. Right. You say it, and then I say it in a uh, in a higher tone. In a Carl way. Right. Right. Because my voice is so much higher than yours. Mm-hmm. All right, it's time now for Have Gun, Will Travel, the conclusion to Death of a Young Gunfighter with John Daner. It was late afternoon when I rode into the New Mexico town, but the summer sun was still merciless, reflecting off the adobe buildings. The dirt street seemed almost deserted. The town was motionless, except for something that swung slowly from a jerry-built scaffold in the middle of the street. It was a hangman's noose. And beneath it lay the body of a dead man. Raise him. I said get him up. I never argue with a shotgun. That's better. This him, Mr. Seabury? We'd like you to look at him. Not Marita. Let him put his hands down. You, John Seabury? That's right. How long has that body been lying there? We hung him this morning. Who is it? Marita's brother. And one Marita is supposed to come for him. Is that it? That's it, mister. Now, who are you? Paladin. You're late. Let's go inside. I don't want the job. You heard of Marita's reputation, mister? It scare you? It doesn't scare me. I just don't want this job. I've paid you $500 in advance. You'll give the money back, mister. Gladly. Here. You're mighty squeamish for a man with a gun for hire. Marita has killed nine human beings. To hunt an animal or kill her, you do whatever you have to. So you leave the brother's body unburied until Marita comes. No, thanks, Mr. Seabree. I understand that Marita is a cold-blooded killer. I know he killed your son in a gunfight. There was no contest. I came here to take him for you. But I bury the dead, Mr. Seabree. Good day, gentlemen. Yes, sir. Uh, I'd like a room... My horse is outside. All right, I'll take him to the livery. You, uh, staying long, mister? Uh, just the night. Can I get a bath? Well, 
Water's real scarce here, mister. You get a pitcher full and you can do anything you want with it. <laughs> it's real warm. I know. Uh, you the, uh, gunfighter? I'm the man Seabree brought in. Well, Rita killed nine men, some say more. He needs dying. Who are you? Well, my name's Haskell, John Haskell. You know Marita? He was born here. Beyond that, did you know him? Well, he, he was a friend of mine. Used to be. Now you want him dead? I told you, mister. He needs dying. The town was still quiet the next morning as I walked across the street to get my horse. One of Seabree's hands was dozing in a chair near the stable door, a shotgun in his lap. As I came out of the sunlight and walked toward the stall, I had a feeling that someone was behind me in the shadows. And I was right. Mister, is this your fight? No, it isn't my fight. Are you Morita? I am Juan Morita, and I will advise you to stay inside. He moved out of the door like a panther. The man in the chair was dead before he could raise a shotgun. Morita caught Seabree's other man as he came lurching onto the street. And then came Mr. Seabree himself. Only this time it was different. Morita's shot only wounded them. I'll get you next time, Morita. I'll get you. There will be no next time for you, John Seabree. Morita. I thought you said this was not your fight. You don't kill a man that way. Stay out of this. You don't kill him when he's lying on the ground, when he can't reach his gun. I tried to get to him, but I was too late and I was too slow. Before I could draw, Morita swung his gun butt down on my head. The trail I followed after Juan Morita was long, hot, and dry. The desert knows how to keep its secrets, and I had been riding for three weeks when I finally came to another small adobe town and went in to see the sheriff. Something I can do for you, mister? That depends. I'm looking for Juan Morita. Oh, that's so. You know him? Yes, I know him. I sight how long you been after him, mister? About three weeks. Do you know where he is? I know where he is. What did he do, mister? Pay you to protect him or are you just afraid? How long has it been since you read a paper, mister? Go on, pick it up. Might learn something. Amnesty. What amnesty? Read it for yourself. Three years of violence ended today when a general amnesty was declared in the bloody Wren Seabree feud in New Mexico. Is this true? Yeah, it's true. Go on, read the rest of it. The amnesty was called by Major General Thomas Hardy. The involved principals have laid down their arms and taken oaths to keep the peace. General Hardy said anyone breaking the amnesty would be summarily court-martialed and executed. Among those taking the oath was Juan Carlos... Marita. And you don't break the amnesty. It'd start the whole thing up again. Where is he? He's on his way home. To Seabreeze Town? That's right. 
Now, you better listen, mister. They mean it about this amnesty. You kill him, you hang. It had to stop somewhere. Let it lie. It's done. Not quite. Almost, but not quite. Mister, I know Morita. I respect him. He says he wants to hang up his gun. I believe him. Now, give him his chance. He'll have a chance. The small campfire was nearly out, but there were still embers. The long hunt was coming to an end. Juan Morita had been there. He couldn't be far away. In fact, at the moment, he was closer than I wanted him to be. Your gun belt. Let it drop. Be quick. Now turn around so I can see your face. Ah, the man who was there with John Seabrook. I was there. That day when you shot a wounded man in cold blood. John Seabrook put a rope around my brother's neck. My brother was 18 years old. He did not even shave yet. And John Seabrook let him lie dead in the street. How many men did your brother kill? Your 18-year-old brother. What do you sell his life for, Marita? I do not want to kill you. How many men, Marita? I do not want to kill again. I do not even know you. I have no hate for you. How, how much are Seabrook's people paying you? How much am I worth? No charge. I want you for myself. But why? I am nothing to you. You should have made the first shot count. If you'd killed Seabree with the first shot, I wouldn't have given you a second thought. You had better stop thinking about me, mister. I am going now. If you follow me, I will kill your horse. Do not make me do that. You'll have to kill me, too. I could do that, mister. Yes, I guess you could. His gun was pointed right at my belly. He could have killed me, but he didn't. He stood there, and he started to tremble. And then, very slowly, his gun hand dropped to his side. No. No, I will not kill you. I will not kill again. I put my life in your hands. Here, I give you my gun. Mister, I give you $200, all I got. You take me home alive. Don't let anyone lay a gun on me until I get there. A man should die among his people. I will not wear a gun again. It was a long ride home for Morita. We had time to get to know each other in the silences and in the times when we talked. Let's rest the horses a minute. All right. Ooh, oh, boy. Paladin? Yeah? You think it is possible they will let me come back? You think they can let themselves forget? I don't know, Morita. Some won't. Some may try, I don't know, but... If it were me, I'd ride west. I wouldn't try to go back. No. No, my people say a man is like a tree. You tear out his roots, he dies. No man wants to die. I have killed 12 men, Paladin. I remember the faces of each of them. I do not forget. You think I have a right to live? You have a right to try. A man speaks of death, but he is not sincere. I want to live. I want to get married. You think I'm crazy? No, Morita. A little optimistic, maybe, but not crazy. Marie, 
She's a woman with a tender spirit. I would give my eyes to know that I could grow old together with her. You will see her, Paladin. You will tell me if she's not a woman to behold. I'm sure she is. I will not live a week. I will not wear a gun and I will not live a week. I was an altar boy. And now I have killed 12 men. I cannot forget. And if I cannot, Paladin, can the others? Then why go back? To try? Let's go. Morita was making a good try, and it wasn't easy. There was sullenness and suspicion through the town the day we got back. The hangman's rig still stood in the middle of the street, and there was talk that it was waiting for Morita. But he kept his word. He didn't put on a gun. And on the night of the fiesta, it looked like he might make it. You see, Paladin? You see, my Maria? I told you she is a woman to behold. You were right, Juan. She's lovely. The senor is very kind. And we will marry and we will have children and we will live together until we are old. Is that not so, Maria? Oh, Juan. It is so. <laughs> I drink too much. I talk too much. This is for you, Paladin. You dance with my Maria. I will be back in a little bit. It will be my pleasure. Maria? Would you forgive me, Mr. Paladin, if I asked you to come aside with me for a moment? I would like a chance to talk with you. Always at the service of a pretty woman, Maria. Gracias. That Juan, tonight he's drunk. Tonight he remembers how much we used to love each other. Do you think he will remember tomorrow when he's tired or angry or feels he must kill someone? I don't speak for him, Maria. Do you love him? A man like that? If you're a woman, he can stir you. I do not know if I love him anymore, Mr. Paladin. But I do not want to marry him. And tell him so. He has killed 12 men, senor. Do you know how simple it would be for him to kill another? Who? Another. No. No more, Maria. The killing is finished. I believe him. I'm going to marry someone else, Mr. Paladin. He is not a gunfighter. I'm afraid for him. Tell Juan. He won't strap on a gun. He won't kill this man. And if he tries? If he tries, I won't let him. What is this you will not let someone do, Paris? I won't let you put on a gun, Morita. I get my word. Why should I break it? I don't think you will. But, Marie, she thinks I will. Is that it? Why, Marie? Why? Juan. It is said, Paladin, that only a fool stands between lovers. Why, Maria? I cannot marry you, Juan. But I love you. It is too late. Too much has changed. You have changed. Another. There is another. While I was away. Who is he, Maria? I love him, Juan. I believe you. Tell me his name. Do not kill his him. His name. You know my name, Juan. I know your name, John Haskell. I called you friend. Do you have a gun, friend? I own one. In the street. Tonight. Morita. Do not make me come after you, Haskell. Die big, friend. Maybe she will cry for you. Morita, you gave me your word. Maria, she gave me her word too, Mr. Paladin. (laughs) 
And so it was not over after all. There was to be another shooting in another dusty street. And it could only come out one way. Man doesn't learn much about gunfighting working behind a hotel desk. But Haskell wouldn't hide. He came outside the hotel wearing his gun belt awkwardly. Morita's shot caught him in the shoulder. And then it was up to me. After all, I had also given my word. Follow him. Do not stand in front of him. You're not going to shoot him again, Morita. Do not make me kill you. You're not good enough to fight me. We'll see. I said it. It seems a long time ago. I do not wish to kill you. You have a choice, Morita. You can throw away a gun, and they'll hang you for breaking the amnesty. Or you can fight me. I will not hang. He lay there in the street, in the shadow of the hangman's rig. Juan Morita had tried, but he couldn't live without his gun. At least he didn't hang. Your drink, Mr. Paladin. Mm. Hey, boy, bring a brandy. Oh. Oh, thanks. Uh, you set it down. Yes, sir. Uh, Mr. Paladin. Mm. You want hey, boy, to read paper with you? Find job for you like uh, last time? No, hey, boy. Not like last time. Oh, by uh, Mr. Paladin, big hero. Stop feud, kill big killer. No. You're not a hero if you kill a man who wanted you to do it. What Mr. Paladin mean? Never mind. Just get me another drink. Gun Will Travel. Created by Herb Meadow and Sam Rolfe, is produced and directed by Norman McDonald and stars John Daner as Paladin with Ben Wright as Hayboy. Tonight's story was written by Julian Fink and adapted for radio by Marion Clark. Featured in the cast were Harry Bartell, Lillian Bayef, Clark Gordon, Lawrence Dobkin, and Barney Phillips. Hugh Douglas speaking. Join us again next week for Have Gun, Will Travel. And that's Have Gun, Will Travel from March 15, 1959, with Death of a Young Gunfighter starring John Daner as Paladin. Also in the cast, terrific cast, Ben Wright, Barney Phillips, Harry Bartell, Lawrence Dobkin, Lillian Bioff, and Virginia Gregg with Hugh Douglas doing the announcing as heard on CBS. Let's take a break, then it's more here on Hollywood 360. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. 
And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Welcome back. I'm Carl Amari. Lisa Wolf to my right. Mike Costella, our executive producer, to my left. And next time, folks, we're going to tune in to Dana Andrews starring as Matt Savetic. He was a communist for the FBI, so he was a double agent. He was actually working with our side, trying to figure out what was going on with the Russians out there. Communists. Right, Lisa? Right, Carl. Those Ruskies. All right, and then it's part one of the Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis show from 1949, a terrific program that you won't want to miss. So that's next uh, next time here on Hollywood 360. We'll see you then.